Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast, a podcast where we help you take your ideas from a dream to reality. Each episode will cover topics to help you overcome frustrations we all encounter in our maker community. I'm Trevor Wanamaker, a part-time maker running MakerExperiment.com, and my co-host Stephen Ellis is a part-time woodworker running Old South Woodcraft. We have both encountered bumps and pitfalls along the road we call making, and we are using this podcast to help you avoid the same pitfalls. Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast for Episode 7, where we're going to talk about graphic design, specifically raster and vector images. And today I'm joined with Steven and our special guest and my friend, Bill Sayer from Pinpoint Creative Studio. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me over. It's doing good. Doing good. It's th- Thursday night and I'm, I'm happy to, to be out of the heat. It's almost the end of the week. Yes. What are you guys watching these days? Uh, well, I saw a pretty trippy movie. Gosh, when was it? It's like three days ago. Have you guys ever seen a Japanese movie called House? Sounds familiar, but I don't think I've seen it. All right, 1977. I guess you want to call it a horror movie, but not really. I just, words cannot describe how trippy it is. But if you ever want to just like go to bed with your head spinning, catch House before you go to bed. I will definitely look into that for sure. <laughs> now, now I need to find it. <laughs> Is was it like Netflix or Amazon or? No, wait. Where did we watch it? That's a good question. I think we actually saw it on Amazon. Okay. All right. So now I got to look for it then. Yes. I'm probably gonna be looking for that while we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> probably the trippiest movie I've ever seen in my life. Am- Amazon Prime has been good to me lately. I know. Uh... <laughs> The other week we talked about um, like Castle Rock on on Hulu is the new thing, but this like the last couple of weeks I've been watching the reruns of Psych on Amazon, which is just this hilarious USA show about a fake psychic detective that's got these amazing actual real life detective skills, but he plays a just an over the top uh, fake psychic detective. I'm sold. Oh, it's good. It's definitely good. I love it. Yeah, last night we watched, uh, my wife picked it out, but it's the Zookeeper's Wife, I think is what it was called. Is that the Matt Damon one? No. Well, I don't I don't know if he had anything to do with it, but he. it was about World War II and Nazi Germany and how they helped Jews escape through their zoo. So it was a good movie. I never even heard of it. To- I totally wrong movie sorry there was something about a zookeeper that was matt damon but it was not about world war ii <laughs> I, <don't... laughs> I know what I movie you're it. talking about and i can't think of it right now but that's that's what i was thinking of too yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the first thing i thought <laughs> <laughs> bill why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself a little bit of background and what you do sure um where to start okay um so currently i'll start with the present currently my wife and i own a small business in Greenville, South Carolina. Actually, it's Taylor, South Carolina. Uh, It's called Pinpoint Creative Studio, which uh, you were kind enough to mention at the start. And uh, we do lots of fun projects there. A lot of laser cutting going on. And uh, my wife actually has a letterpress operation going on. 
and we have all kinds of fun clients and we just um, the good thing about that company or working for this company and having this company is that you just never know what your next project's going to be like so um, yeah we're happy to be there because it keeps life pretty exciting for us and then uh, my background I uh, was originally a 3D artist and I worked for the computer game industry for a while and I work as an illustrator as well and um, so I've worn a couple of hats throughout my life and I somehow fell into doing this nothing better than working for yourself yeah it's true it's true well I like to tell myself that when I'm you know having a rough day my fingernails and <laughs> such but yeah 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 it, it, it's it's pretty good it can be pretty rewarding yeah, I think that's one of the things that most people in our space kind of aspire to is owning their own company and being able to do it full time. So it's great that you you get to be able to do that. And then I I mean, without you doing that, I don't think I would have learned anything about lasers cuz you're the primary reason I know anything. <laughs> well, I'm glad I had something to share. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the raster and vector for for graphic design and i mean i know i know the simple differences and why you might use each one and we wanted to share that with everybody because there's a lot of people that i think tend to use raster type images for their logo and they try to blow it up really big and then they wonder why it looks terrible uh, so we wanted to give some background on that and why we might use some of these. So why don't we start off by giving a little bit about the difference between the two and why you might use them. Let's go ahead and start with raster. And I know Photoshop uses it or outputs raster. And the typical file types are like your JPEG, your PNG, the TIFF, and all that kind of stuff your background and you kind of taught this stuff in the past if i recall correctly so you're like the ultimate person to talk about this yeah some lunatic in new york decided to hire me to you know enlighten the youth of uh, new york <laughs> and yeah i used to work at i used to work at pratt institute i used to teach some classes there and actually i taught quite a bit i taught at pratt and sva and at william patterson in new jersey so i got to repeat a lot of this stuff so we'll see how much of it i remember um <laughs> but yeah um I, I do remember one thing, uh, a parallel I used to draw. Uh, do you guys, are you familiar with pointillism in terms of like art history? Is that where like the, you draw a bunch of dots to make up a picture? Exactly. So, um, you know, if you could take the way, way back machine and think of like the most famous pointillism artist of all time was this guy, George Seurat. And, um, you know, I just say started saying his name correctly probably like, you know, five years ago. I just said Seurat, but it's George Seurat. Um, in 1884, he did his most famous painting, uh, which had Sunday in the park. It's Sunday afternoon in the island of Le Grand Jat. And I apologize ahead of time to any French people out there. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you, if you look at that painting, you'll see um, what typical of any pointillism painting. There's you know millions of little dots being drawn on there. And they're all different kinds of colors, but um, he uses just the right amounts of cools and warms to trick the eye into saying hey that's a blue but it's a rich blue and why is it a rich blue because it's not just blue in there there's browns and oranges and all kinds of colors that will tell you it's a it's a blue but the sun is out and it's catching refractions and reflections and all this kind of stuff so 
the reason I talk about George Seurat when I'm talking about um, raster images is because that's pretty much what's going on anytime you take a picture with your digital camera, um, with your phone, or you know, you're using Photoshop or using a paint program. You're, you're pretty much creating the illusion of, uh, of color. <clears throat> and you're, you're creating the illusion of these refractions and reflections and all this kind of stuff. So um, that's kind of a good way of looking at it in a nutshell. Um, it's just the illusion of uh, form and the illusion of uh, light and the illusion of objects being drawn onto a two-dimensional surface, or in this case, your computer screen. One of the big differences I've noticed, which took me forever to realize, and I, it really shouldn't have, but I often see JPEG or JPG and PNG files used a lot. And I just realized, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago, that PNG has no background and JPEG does. And I don't know why it took so long <laughs> to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. Well, PNG, I mean... These, these different file types serve different uses and, you know, without getting too deeply into it, um, sometimes, you know, you have that kind of like non-background existent in a PNG file and that transparency will come in handy and let's say applying that image to uh, a 3D object, for instance, right, as a texture. Um, I mean, you can get more into that later, but um, basically you don't want to have a background on there. You just want to see the image without like whatever noise in the background right it's sort of like applying a decal you know if you think yeah. of old models you'd apply a decal on it you want to have the decal without having the stuff around the decal so you know that that would be the purpose of having those two different file types if that makes any sense and i think that's a lot of how people will watermark like their work on their websites and how they apply that it, it's always from my experience it's a, a png file for for anybody that might want to be able to do that yeah they all they all serve their purposes um i mean do you guys know anything about the history of raster graphics at all i no. mean i i'm not i don't i'm not a historian in any way shape or form i know it was originally used for like tv technology way back when and uh basically it's just like you know uniformly sized pixels across the screen and you know they're going in columns and rows and uh, the way it worked back then, um, or in the way it still works, basically, black and, black and white image, uh, each pixel had one byte of information. But you have your richer images with that have shadows and colors and all these kind of different things. And you have 24 bits of information in one tiny pixel. So, um, you know, the complexity of the image uh, really shapes the complexity of the pixels. Or rather, it's the other way around. The complexity of your pixels kind of shapes the complexity of the image that you're looking at. Um, if that makes any sense at all, but you know, I, th I think it's kind of good to take a look at you know the origins of these things and like why why they are the way they are, right? Definitely, definitely. And so, kind of to to, to kind of go back just a little bit, um, you were talking about you know the so Sunday afternoon in the park, you know that all those tiny dots, you know, making your eyes kind of have the illusion that that things are different colors or different shapes, things of that nature. So is that kind of more I guess, based on perspective. I mean, if you have, you know, a series of dots that are all exactly the same size and the same spacing, you're not going to have any depth with that. That looks like a flat image. 
but if you change them slightly, you make them bigger, you push you know smaller ones further out, it gives you a sense of perspective. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I mean, you want to get that sense of depth and sort of that, um, I guess if you want to simulate the real world, you would need qualities like that. But uh, vice versa, there will be times where you do want that flat color, right? And then I guess that's where we arrive at, you know, why you'd want to use a vector graphic instead. Hmm. Okay. All right. And since 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 you as you said, you know, why you why you would want to use a vector? What I guess what makes a vector different than a raster? Because I'm totally totally out in left field with even really knowing what either one of these are. But the fact that you explained it as as a series of dots as a raster, I can understand that. I can you're I the, can get you're that. the hand tool guy. You don't, yeah, you don't yeah. know graphic design. <laughs> no, no, well, no, 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 the, no. the cool thing is being just like. You know, people who watch popular culture TV and movies, I mean, you know, raster is a pretty simple thing to grasp, right? Because we all watch film and it's pretty much the same principles, right? You're watching a bunch of tiny little pixels composing these images on a screen. Um, vector, on the other hand, <clears throat> um, yeah, why would we use a vector graphic? Well, vector graphics, how about we go back? I mean, I guess the question was, what is a vector graphic, right? Was that what the question was? Yeah, yeah, kind of, you know, what's what's the baseline for a, for a vector? What is it? It is... I guess it's at its simplest if you had to, you know, just tell somebody on the street, hey, this is a vector. All right. So somebody on the street street comes up to me. Hey, man, <laughs> what is a vector? <laughs> that sounds like everyday and conversation. And I run for my life because I'm like, you're crazy. All right. So anyway, yeah, vector graphic. Um, so you t you have this point in space. And I, and I think, Trevor, you, you have the, uh, the advantage of engineering and using 3D software. So... Um, it's basically just a point in space. And uh, anybody who remembers basic math the cartesian coordinate system with your x and y so you have this you know you know you know what i'm talking about like an x and y coordinate system yep. so you have this point in that x y coordinate system right and then you have another point in that x y coordinate system and then basically those two points are connected by a line so that line is the graphic that's created by a vector uh program and that's your vector graphic now you have three of those points floating in space connected i'm sorry yeah you have three of those points connected floating in space connecting three lines and you have a two-dimensional polygon so now you have a vector object so that's basically how a vector program works it's using mathematical formula to pin, put these points in space and connect these lines so now we can create a boiling curve a, a boolean curve um, you know using these points and say let's you know give that line of 30 degree curve or something like that, right? So now what you're getting is a true mathematical curve in space as opposed to an approximation that a raster graphic would give you. Gotcha, gotcha. Do you know what that reminds me of? Like the word vector? It reminds me of Despicable Me when <laughs> with the bad guy, it's like with direction and magnitude. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. Vector. I think of the movie Airplane. Having spent a lot of time in math, and I, I I always geeked out over math. That was what I thought was you know vector is just two you know two two points connected by a line in space. So and then so apparently that's literally someone has taken that simple principle of math and turned it into this huge wide world of of images, both I guess two D and three D if you if you include include the Z coordinate. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the next level. So, I mean, is 3d vector. I mean, it's, it's the next step in vector art. Um, so yeah, you just, you take that 
Z coordinate and now you you know you're just pushing the envelope and now you're working three dimensional space and then you get cool models and animation and you know engineering projects and all that neat stuff right so yeah I mean is 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 3D art vector art I mean I guess it's disputable it's a form of vector art I guess and the vectors I think one of the things that people in our space are going to encounter vectors with the most are probably going to be the laser cutting, the CNC, the, or if they're having like stickers made or if they're having branding irons made, yep. all these people are going to ask for a vector file. And even when, you know, I've made signs and I know that when you've made signs, you'll say, okay, you have a logo. Do you have a vector version of that? Like, what's a vector? Like I have this and it ends up being like this JPEG thing at like 50 by 50 that you can't even see what's going on if you uh, try to maximize it. Since we're talking about stuff, you know, customers, you know, communicating with customers, you know, when you're asking for the vector art, um, I think one of the funniest things is, you know, you have, you have this image they send you, which is like a pretty low resolution image. And, mm -hmm. and you know, for people out there who don't know what low resolution compared to high resolution is. Um, so <clears throat> you have PPI, right? Pixels per inch on your screen. Right? So, so how many pixels do you put in an inch to create the illusion of a smooth curve, for example, right? So if you have 70, 72 pixels per inch on an image that's as large as your screen, you're probably going to get fairly low resolution, if that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas if you're working with 300, 300 pixels per inch um, on an image that's the same size, you're going to get higher resolution. So that curve will look more like a true curve unless like your stair is going up to your house. So um, that's the one thing you want to avoid, the stair-stepping effect. Like, I think everybody's pulled in close to their images and has seen, like, you know, the illusion is lost and you start getting the stair-stepping effect inside the image. Um, you want to avoid that, you know, when you're far away from the image. You want to see something that looks like a real curve. So the problem that Trevor and I are having with, the, with customers a lot of time, you tell them, Okay, that image is a little bit too low of a resolution to create your sign because, you know, whatever piece of CNC machine we're using, it has to cut this thing. And if it sees a bunch of jaggies, well, it's going to cut a bunch of jaggies. It so you tell them, yeah, and that, yeah, <laughs> yep. it happens quite often. So you tell your customer, hey, uh, you know, that's a 72 DPI image. Can, can you send me something higher? Well, then they send you a 75 DPI image, which really <laughs> isn't much better. Or they'll send you a 300 DPI image, but it's a 300 DPI image that's taken off their 72 DPI image. So you can't really add resolution to a low resolution image. So just like funny things, which boy things that we find funny, but really it's it's just an educational matter. It's good good things for people to know. Um, you know, the difference between a low resolution image and a high resolution image. Um, high resolution image, <clears throat> it's just how it sounds. You just want more pixels to fill up the area. So I think, yeah, Trevor and I feel the same pain when it comes to dealing with those kinds of customers, right? And I just made, I just made a design design today, actually, where I took a, I think it was like a 72 PPI image and went to blow it up and it was so jagged that I actually just 
uh, used Illustrator and traced the whole thing and made it into <laughs> into a vector because it was just so much easier. Oh God! You know how many times I've had to do that. Sometimes oh, it's just faster than dealing with it, the it back is, and forth. The back and forth and just like you know trying to increase the resolution and yeah, I mean what Trevor's talking about basically, you know, so you have this jagged crappy image and you just don't know what to do with it and you're you're just like you have this job and the customer's like i need this by next week and you're like oh crap and you know you want to avoid the back and forth because it just eats up time so what do you do you just take your pen tool and illustrator and you just plot out the vector points right and you just you know approximate the curve naturally you know you, you when you do real curves around this like crappy you know using this crappy piece of uh, raster art as a template <laughs> yeah but it works it works you know you know, usually gets the job done. So, you know, uh, can, can I share a piece of snobbery if you, you guys don't mind? <laughs> Go ahead. Here, here's, here's a piece of, of digital art snobbery. So so I said the term PPI. Um, you'll hear the, the term DPI thrown out a lot. And I, and I remember this as like an, an art student. When I first came in, I'd use DPI all the time. And I had this professor who was like, DPI, why are you saying DPI? I'm like, well, isn't that the term? He goes, no, that's an incorrect term. I was like, well, why? So DPI goes back to it's a it's a printing term dots per inch is actually used for print not for digital technology the correct term is PPI which is pixels per inch just for you people out there in case you encounter uh, snobby printers just know that well, <laughs> <laughs> because I am the weird hand tool guy I actually did know the DPI part because most like old old reference books or old woodworking books that are being put back into print now use dpi images they're all i mean if you go and look at a really well done one you can actually see the dots of various things and for this some of the the file types i think that we need to hit on here because you know raster's got the jpeg and the png and all those and i think people just don't know what the file types are for vector because even when you ask for a vector file they like well here's what i have of course i have it and then you get a JPEG or you get a PNG. Uh, so for the file types, there's a few main ones. So there's .ai, which is Adobe Illustrator. There's uh, EPS, which is more of like a universal. It can be opened by Inkscape and Illustrator and CorelDRAW. And then there's SVG. There's PDF, which I don't think a lot of people know that a PDF is a vector file. So if you take like a, if you save a PDF from a Word document and you try to open it in Illustrator, you'll actually get like the paths for all the stuff in the PDF. And you can actually go and cut it out on the laser if you wanted to. This is why I prefer PDF for all my drawings for work. So sometimes you run into a little trouble though. You'll, you'll tell your customer, hey man, I need a... I need a vector file if you want to get this job done fast. But then what they'll do is save their oh, <laughs> save yeah. their JPEG on Photoshop as a PDF and think they just oh, turned God. it into vector art. <laughs> That's a good point. That <laughs> Which is, a good is something point. that happens a lot. People out there, don't do that. Do not do not save your JPEGs as PDFs. It does not turn it into vector art. Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's important that everybody knows that they should have a vector format of their logo regardless of what it is because at some point they're going to be asked for it 
and we'll get into it a little bit more later. Yeah, it's surprising how many people actually don't. I mean, you know, any anybody who has their own business or is like creating their own logo, um, what Trevor said is totally correct. I mean, yeah, use a vector program. You want the original vector art. If you're getting your um, logo done by a graphic artist, make sure they include the original vector art because. Um, Sharish, can I go ahead and like talk about the advantages of that? Yeah, go ahead. Um, well. I, I think we brought this up before, but you can bring it up in size and lower it in size without any loss of resolution because we're just dealing with vectors and lines in space. So you don't have to worry about any stair-stepping effects if you blow that image up. Um, so if you want to make your image for a billboard, you can take that vector art and blow it up to the size of a billboard. But if you want it to be small enough for print in a magazine, you can go ahead and shrink it up as well. So that's why you want to make sure that you have your original vector art. Um, also, for when Trevor creates your sign, um, you're not giving him a major headache. Nice plug there. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Trevor, what? Did, uh, I'm trying to think. For my for my logo, what, two years ago or so, whenever. No, it wasn't two years ago. It was last year when we met, so it couldn't have been two years ago. <laughs> I know you and I had to, I know you and I had to sit down for about mm, 20 or 30 minutes to make the proper vector from my logo to put on your machine. Yes. I mean, sometimes... Luckily, there's... mine was simple. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't too straight. It wasn't too too horrible. Well, usually, if if somebody gives me, like, a PNG or a JPEG and that's all they have, I can still make a vector by, like Bill said, you can trace it with the pen tool and Illustrator, or if you're using, like, Inkscape, because that's free and anybody can use that one. I think it's the Bezier tool or Bezier curve, maybe. Um, but the thing that I've also found is people will have their logo done by somebody else. It's usually, you know, somebody off Fiverr or, you know, or a friend of a friend, uh, or an Instagram person. And I've seen it where the, the person making the logo like flat out refuses to give the person the vector file because they say it's their original artwork and they don't get the rights to it. I'm like, you paid for that logo. It's your logo. You should, you should get all the files associated. So watch out for that, too. Yeah, what is an artist going to want to do with somebody else's logo anyway? The only thing I can think is they're going to try to sell it to multiple people and try to pass it off as unique. I don't know. Huh. But I've heard, I've had that happen a couple of times where they said the person won't give me the vector file, and I said, then you need to fire them and never that use them again. That sounds pretty shifty. I guess the next episode will be about copywriting, huh? <laughs> we need to do one images. about copyright because that's an intense... I think copyright is one of those things where people are always violating it and they just don't know. Because there's always people on Etsy selling, you know, Harry Potter and stuff or Disney stuff. Yeah. And you're going to get in trouble if you get caught. The the thing that kills me is the the four billion different people selling Clemson stuff. I'm like I I'm, I know Clemson because there is one one local woodworker. They actually have a trademark department. And yes. One local woodworker I know does actually he is an actual official licensed trademark you know user of Clemson. But so is one person paying Clemson? <laughs> I think we need to do a copyright episode. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, there's a lot of Clemson stuff out there, isn't there? Uh, well, especially in your guys' area. Yeah. Here it's all uh, Vegas Golden Knights. 
Oh, yeah, they yeah. probably couldn't care less yeah, about Clemson that's... over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they don't care about Clemson over here. <laughs> no offense, but no, they don't care. <laughs> None taken. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I mean, if, you, if you want, should we cover some of the other advantages of uh, Hector? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I can think of one other off the top of my head. Um, so since you are working with these, um, you know, mathematical coordinates in space, uh, you can do neat things like you can plot your type on a curve or you can plot your type within a constrained, weird shape that you just created yourself. So, yeah, that's one of the things. If you're into print, um, it's very easy to manipulate and format text using shapes. Um that's one I can think of off the top of my head. Can you think of another? I'm trying to think. I know that, you know, learning something for regardless of what kind of image you want, whether it's for raster or for vector, it's like anything else, any other software. It it takes time. So if you're one of those people that tries to be Superman and tries to do all of your own stuff yourself, like, like I try to do, and then I fail. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not a failure. It's it's a it's a learning. It's a point. Le- it's a learning. It's a learning learning point. Yeah, I kind of feel like my wife Sophia um, taught me a lot of the tools I didn't know, and I kind of like you know shared it forward. And Trevor picked up a lot of stuff off of me when he used to come and visit me. <laughs> so it's like it's been this trickle down effect with Illustrator. I've learned so much just off of Bill that. I think that's the only reason I'm as fast as I am now. Because I remember going to Bill one day, and I was trying to make a sign, I think is what it was, or some engraving. And I had this image where I had these four or five different shapes that were all black, and they were just kind of laying on top of each other, and they were individual. I was like, how on earth do I join these, and then how on earth do I get a cutting path from this? He's like, oh, yeah, here, click, click, done. I'm like, okay, that took you five seconds, and I've been trying to figure this out for, like, five hours. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing, too. You just pick up these tricks. And, and, you know, like, there's probably a whole bunch of tricks that I don't know about. Like, I just know stuff that's, like, important for my business that I use every day. And and I think uh, Trevor would, would agree with this. It's like, you know, just there's no need to know every little in and out of the program, like learn what you need to know to get the job done. Otherwise you just, you know, you're losing time. And when I started, I think I, I exclusively used the pen tool for the first year, I think, because I didn't know anything else, but I knew I could do it with the pen tool. And then over time I just learned, you know, you add this, then you add this. So back then it would take me, Oh gosh, probably like four or five hours to trace something. And I traced one today during my lunch break in like an hour. And then not only that, but then I converted it to a cuttable sign format all in the same hour. And it just shows like, you know, I've spent five years now, I think with illustrator, maybe six and picking up that one little trick. Like every time I came to see you, just maybe incrementally faster every single time I went. And now it's for what I'm doing. I'm not sure I can get any faster personally at the things I'm doing, as long as I'm given the right file type. Cause I can, and I, I know you can take a illustrator file and give it a boundary. That's the same shape as the logo and you can do it all in five minutes. Maybe 
and I'm I'm at, at that point now. But when I first came to see you, I think it would take me like an hour just to do that part. So I guess the moral of the story is uh, make good friends with people that have software skills that you like to learn. Yes, because <laughs> it'll help. And the other the other moral of the story is uh, you know the pen tool is very versatile and you can use it for lots of things. I th- I think the number one one there was the the have a mentor and something you need to learn. Right, absolutely. And they'll teach you. <laughs> and if you make a friend along the way, that's good too. Very, very true. I mean, I, I think it probably helps that, you know, you do this professionally, you know, you used to teach these classes and, oh yeah, you work, you know, designing computer games and I, I think you said movies as well. Is that correct, Bill? Uh, no, no, I didn't. I worked with people who did film, but I, I primarily worked in video games. Ah, so you know you got you get, you got a little bit of experience, I think, just a touch, maybe, just maybe. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you're an expert or anything. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, hey, I just thought of another advantage of uh, vector graphics, and uh, one of those advantages would be uh, color. Um, well, specifically like for for print. So, if you have your you know your whatever your color is that you want for print, it actually has a Pantone code attached to it which is easy to describe to somebody who's doing print uh where are you use whereas if you're using a raster program or a raster image it's an approximation of that color so i guess another area where that would come in handy is in the web so if you're creating your website and you want the sidebar to be this blue color the computer will understand an instruction and perform much faster if you just say create this big blue block of color, this solid blue block of color, as opposed to using this raster image that will take a ton of time to load. So, I mean, that's that's another clear advantage, I think, of using raster versus vector that I can think of. Well, and that brings up the point of if anybody's had like a photo printed, so a normal photo that you take with your camera is a raster image. And if you go take that to get printed, it may look one way on your computer screen, but unless that printer has got the same setup as your phone, as far as the image is concerned, you're going to wind up with something drastically different than what you think you're going to end up with. But if you had a vector and then you printed it at the same way, you get exactly the color that you specified in that file. So, I mean, they both have their place. I mean, obviously, you're not going to take wedding photos and have vector files of them. But <laughs> no, nah. so they each have their place. You can't really contest that. But I have to say, for what I do, and I think what you do, ninety nine percent of the time, it's gonna be vector for you know branding irons or vector logos or vector signs or vector engraving CNC all that stuff. Even stickers, they use vector files. Hmm. I wasn't aware, I wasn't aware of that because I think I sent a. I sent a PNG file because I was actually, while we're in this episode, I went back and looked at whenever my logo was originally designed. It's it's a PNG. It's not a vector. It'll it'll work. A PNG is fine as long as it's high resolution and simple. I mean, if you're creating you know a simple colored or two colored sticker or whatever it is, um, the problem arises if you want to take that same image and blow it up or create a larger sticker, and that's the only image they have. That that's the only time you'd run into an issue, I think. Gotcha. Or if you have a die cast cut stickers or die cut stickers where oh, they point. Yeah. they cut like a 
So imagine if you took your logo and you wanted the boundary of your sticker to look, be the exact same shape as your logo. It's hard to do that with a raster image. So typically it's vector and then it'll follow the the geometric paths that we've been talking about to be able to cut that sticker out. So, gotcha. I mean, Sticker Mule might just do it for you because they're big enough. They probably have a department dedicated to that. Uh, but if you're using like a machine at home, like the Silhouette Cameo or like the the Cry Cut machines or whatever. Cricket. Cricket. I hear it both ways. So, <laughs> I've heard it okay, both who's ways. the snob now? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I see these things for sale all the time. I, know, I think I what know. it is 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 people that really think that they're going to get into you know scrapbooking. I think because most of the time they're they're the smaller home versions. Yeah. They're all they're for sale all the time. So I have over my shoulder. I have a cameo. So I've cut my own stickers, and every time it's vector because I always try to do more die cut stuff so you can see the background through it so you can kind of stick it on your back window for your car or whatever. Uh, the things you learn. Mr. Fancy Pants. Off topic a little bit, how is that machine working for you? So that machine was actually what I used before I found lasers. And the problem I have with that, because I was trying to do paper cuts, I started paper cuts by hand with an art knife that would take 12 hours. And then I moved to that machine that would still take like 45 minutes to an hour maybe to cut it. But then it's stuck to this mat and then you have to peel it up. And I would often destroy it <laughs> when I tried to peel it up. <laughs> After 45 minutes of waiting yeah. for it to be done. And then on top of that, it can't cut like a sharp corner because it's a swivel knife that kind of goes and it turns back around. So it like rips itself up. And then that's when I came to you and started the laser side where, you know, one of my designs can be cut in 10 minutes and it's perfect. <laughs> and that's where it all started. Exactly. <laughs> that is exactly how it all started. I do remember you coming with the paper cuts. Actually, before I even saw you, I remember you sending an email with your paper cuts, and I was quite impressed. I was like, man, this guy's doing this by hand? Whoa. Yeah, notice I don't do them much anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't. Other, until we started this podcast, I didn't know you did them at all. I always knew you just as the laser guy. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I've, I've sat down and had like a self-healing mat and just printed an image out. I think the longest one to cut that I've ever done was like 15 hours for one thing. And then somebody wanted to buy it for 20 bucks and that really pissed me off. <laughs> oh my gosh. A buck a minute. A buck an hour. Sorry. A buck an yeah, hour. Yeah. Another good, uh, another good podcast, how to handle your cheap customers. So I think we're going to get a lot of, <laughs> a lot of topics coming out of this. I <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I thought of, I thought of something for you today though, Trevor. I think if you, if you really like doing those hand cut paper cuts, I think you would like chip carving. Maybe, maybe it's it, the thing. Is, it's not like carving a duck or something like that. It's actually like cutting out little geometric shapes in soft wood. And it creates these beautiful, like super like in-depth patterns. Most of the time it's their triangle set tri triangular shaped. But I'm trying to think of what the 3D polygon of like a, a tri th four triangles put together is, but I can't think of it right now. That would probably be okay. Mo yeah. A lot of the reason I switched 
primarily the laser because even i enjoy woodworking a lot but the primary reason is children because i i want to be able to spend as much time as i can with them and the more i do woodworking the less i'm with them and the laser is more of like a i can run out there hit print and then run back inside and spend a bunch of time with them and then run back outside check it real fast and i i found that having a laser or like a cnc has afforded for more family time as long as you have the design done like up front and you can just hit print and set it up real fast although if it wasn't for bill i wouldn't know how to set it up either so really i think bill's probably in the whole like you know 10 hours of his life just helping me if not more <laughs> well you know with the design aspect but i mean you're right it really is just a glorified printer i mean I, there's more to it than that, but you do do you really do just hit print and the thing goes. Right? You really do, and it's I mean, other than knowing the the correct buttons to hit to set it up, right, right. With with this, the we want to talk about the software too that people can use to create these different kinds of images, because I mean we know what they are because we use them every day, and some are free, some are not. And we want to talk a little bit about that. And for raster, I think this is mostly for the most I see it is in photography. So it's more like the Photoshop, uh, Lightroom, and then for the free one, the one that came to mind was GIMP. But I think there's also for Mac, there's one I think it's called Light Zone, maybe. Not familiar with it. I think that's the one I've used in the past, but. As a guy who likes to uh, paint and draw and do all that stuff that doesn't make any money, um, <laughs> it, can. I, uh, it can. It can, yeah. Um, there's a, a whole slew of, I mean, really more than I even know, um, raster programs for painting. And, and I guess that would be one of the advantages of raster programs, too, that you can emulate uh, real life painting and drawing in a way that you really can't do with vector art. And if you did do a vector art, you would just bog down the machine and probably crash it. So, um, yeah, um, Painter, Coral Painter is a great one. Um, yeah, uh, oh, I know there's more than that and then just not coming to me right now. But, you know, obviously Photoshop, you know, you mentioned Photoshop already. Um, yeah, I guess big advantage uh, being able to emulate the, the real world quality of drawing. You know, that's that's a big one for me. Well, yeah. and the, the main reason behind that and correct me if I'm wrong, is because those programs can blend the colors more easily, and you can't really you can't really blend colors in Illustrator. They're they're called gradients, and it's more like you have these itty bitty slivers of different colors stacked next to each other in really small spaces, so you don't really blend them as much as you just stack them right next to each other, which is why you can't really do that painting exactly. style. Well, that goes back to the original story where, you know, you're you're using raster graphics to sort of emulate, um, you know, the refraction reflections and all these, like, things that we see in nature that you really can't do with vector art as well. Um, and even if you did get to the point where you're, you know, you're utilizing vector art to kind of approximate, like, let's say, an ink drawing even, um, you have to think you're creating all these little vectors and lines and all this stuff. So it just becomes very, very data heavy. And it's just not, I guess it wouldn't be the wisest choice to create that kind of artwork. 
Um, I mean, I guess there are there are certain um, there are certain times, certain scenarios. Where you, you know, there are people who do inking with Illustrator, like comic book artists. I know some people do some simple inking, but again, it's you just don't have that fluidity and that organic quality that you get with with raster art. Um, and I guess also it comes to the um, with the laser. I mean, there's a lot of times where people have images that would look better. Um, engraved, the raster images that look better engraved than vector images. You know, if you have um, a very organic looking image, right? I think you'd want to stick with the raster image. <clears throat> Photo Photos, um, in particular, people engrave photos um, while well, you're going to be engraving raster images and not vector images in that case. And I mean, that's a good point too, is if you're doing something like engraving, you can use either one. Right. But if you're cutting... That's a whole different story because you, you have to have that mathematical path for it to follow. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not – machines aren't, machines aren't freeform. They, they, they only go X, Y, and Z. They, they're not freeform like a person's hand, uh, you know. Well, and the laser, in a way, kind of works like your normal desktop inkjet printer where when you hit print and you're trying to engrave – it's going to go back and forth and back and forth, just like your printer does until the raster engraving part of it's done. We, don't, we, we talked about the, the different file types, the raster and the vector. Putting them into uh, your laser, your, I think, I mean, Bill, do you also own a Epilogue? Or what, I do, what? yeah. Okay, I actually, all right. I have two of them. And... So he's the reason that I own an Epilogue. Probably. Okay. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, my uh, my buddy down in Texas, I think that's what he that's what he has now. But he's got the one with the th with I think the turret head on it or the three D head where he actually can do the curved items as well. I envy your friend very much. He he <laughs> he forked out a lot of dough. I know he sold a decent amount of stuff in his shop to get the ability to to you know to pick up the epilogue with that you know curvature going on. But for those who, you know, want to get into laser, want to get into to, to CNC work, and, you know, you're going to have to need those vectors, what, what things are out there, um, you know, besides easel, like for, for X-Carve, uh, what, what programs do you guys use? Um, do you mind me, me answering Go first? Ahead. Go um, ahead, Bill. Well, yeah. Yeah. the big one for Trevor and I is Illustrator, just because it's sort of like the granddaddy of all vector art programs out there it's been there for a long time and it's just it's i mean it's pretty much been the model for all vector programs after it um the tools are just you know they're easy to use and it's uh stable for the most part <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the uh it's the microsoft of uh <laughs> vector programs i guess it is and don't get me wrong there are times that i hate it but you know <laughs> <laughs> i think that happens with every software though yeah pretty much i mean it's just it, it would be the same thing with with microsoft some people just absolutely hate microsoft so right you know. right 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 control s everybody control s every five minutes all right <laughs> i'm all i'm a i'm a control x control c and control v guy i love i love me some copy and paste I, I like Control Z. <laughs> Control Z. <laughs> uh, any other ones, Trevor? Uh, so I know my dad uses, and I'll probably say it wrong, Corel Draw or Corel Draw. I say whoever you are, draw. different. Yeah. Uh, so he uses that one. I personally use Illustrator. 
so I like Illustrator, and I bought, I think it was like CS5 or something, uh, Creative Suite 5, back in college when they had it on sale, like if you bought a computer, like bought a Mac, and I bought it at the same time. So that was back when you could actually pay for it and own the whole thing outright, and it wasn't a subscription service. Uh, but now they have that subscription where it's per month, which if you're making money with it, it's business expense. Yeah, I mean you got monthly expenses for everything else. Sorry, I said you've got. I mean you've got monthly expenses for everything else. Why not a software subscription? And if it's what you're using to generate business, it's a tool. And some people also like to use Inkscape. So this one's the the free one, and I've used it in the past. Some things about it are absolutely infuriating, and I think it's because <laughs> I know Illustrator, so I'm looking for the thing in Inkscape that I can do in Illustrator, and it's either called something else, or it's, it doesn't behave the same way, whatever it might be. So sometimes I just get infuriated by it, but if people want to create their own vector logo, they can go ahead and put their jpeg image into inkscape and they can still trace it with the the bezier tool that's inside of that one and make their own vector image and have it be completely free and not have to pay anybody as long as they had like a raster image to begin with or even if they draw it by hand they can put it into there and trace it i've also had uh customers who used um autocad and just saved dwg files um so, I mean, you can, you can use 3D software as long as you've saved it in such a way where it compresses everything to a 2D format. So that's another option as well. But, I mean, generally, I think all the software packages are good. It's the one you just stick to and choose to learn, and that's the one that works for you. Yeah, and in the, in the last episode where we talked about 3D CAD, we actually brought up, or rather Chris brought up, that... One thing to keep in mind when you open these softwares is look at it and just remember that about 80% of it you're not going to use. <laughs> you're going to use that 20%, so don't try to get overwhelmed with it because you're going to see a lot of tools. And honestly, I think even in Illustrator, I use maybe 20 yeah. for everything I do. I think a good parallel to that is, um, you know, I, I, I never use like engineering software, but, you know, I've, I was like in the entertainment software, you know, side of things. So like a program like Maya, for instance, you know, you'd have big teams of people working with the software for a reason. So you have like texture artists, you have animators, you have riggers, you have um, shader programmers, you have 3D modelers. So really it's set up in such a way we're not supposed to learn the whole package right you only need to know what you need to know to get the job done so yeah just something to keep in mind just that people don't get um don't feel too overwhelmed when they open up one of these things and just like you know focus on what they want to learn to get the job done yeah and i think if people want to try it out for free if they want to do a vector of their logo which i think it's one of the most common uses in the in the maker community that everybody can use it for i'd say go ahead and download inkscape and try it just try to get used to the tool and either like take something you've drawn by hand or grab an image offline and just 
try to trace it and learn how the tool works because you can you can make straight lines or you can make curves and you can figure out how many points you need and just that in and in and of itself being able to use the bezier tool or the pen tool is kind of an art form in a way to be able to do what you want to do with the least amount of points yeah. and have it be clean there's one thing I, I did want to discuss that um, just throwing a curveball at people is uh, when there's combinations between raster and vector. Um, and it does happen. Um, I actually um, almost pulled a stint at a company that used to design trophies for you know corp big corporations, like these big resin trophies. And they built their stuff in Illustrator. But to sort of showcase what the thing was going to look like, they'd bring in 2D textures and apply it to the vector art. Um, so you can do that. Um, and uh, yeah, so so your vector programs, most of them, can import 2D graphics, raster images. Um, and you can apply those raster images as a texture to your vector art. So is it a vector art or is it raster? Well, it's kind of both. And uh, it's just... Uh, this is why it's good to know that both are out there and that you can utilize both to reach an artistic goal. And I think it's one of those things that photographers know a lot about raster maybe when they edit, but they may not know that, you know, there's raster and vector. Because I talked to somebody that does a lot of photography and a lot of video editing for YouTube. And I was like, do you know the difference between raster and vector? He's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. How, <laughs> how do you not know when you're doing video editing on YouTube and you've got like a million subscribers? How do you not know? But it's it's one of those things. I think it's just overlooked. You don't really need to know unless you need to know. Right, right. Like he knows it without knowing what yeah. it, the terminology, I guess. You know, it's funny. Um, uh, another good example of uh, areas where you'll see combinations just films in general you know or, or even video games um you know we're talking about video games you know is 3d is 3d um is it uh is it actually vector um well yeah it is you know they're, they're vectors floating in space creating three-dimensional poly you know objects out of polygons um but if you look at any video game it's a bunch of vector art a bunch of polygons with textures thrown on top so anytime you play a game or anytime you watch a movie on the big screen, it actually is a combination of both vector and raster. So, um, you know, you're seeing it everywhere, you know, even on TV, you know, there's tons of special effects on any show you watch. And, you know, a lot of it's a combination of vector and raster graphics. Hmm. You know what that makes me think of? It reminds me of uh, when I bought Indiana Jones on Blu-ray, which... Indiana Jones was not, I think, meant to, meant to play on Blu-ray. Because <laughs> I don't it think looks, it was even meant to get on VHS. You can tell that the the digital modifications are definitely in the films, and it just reminds me of that kind of stuff. Was it kind of disappointing to? I think it made it faker? almost better in the sense that you could laugh at it <laughs> while you're watching it. So it's kind of like campiness. those. It's like those uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon movies where like they're flying through the air, not attached to anything, kind of things, <laughs> and they're spinning and you know got the sword out. That's it was that uh, that level of ridiculous is what it reminded me of. Oh goodness! 
It kind of sounds um, like that movie House I saw. <laughs> now I need to watch. I've, it. I've got to, yeah, I've got to find this. I've got to find this for sure. See, it all comes full circle. It always does. <laughs> it always does. So, I mean, we've hit on a little bit of everything, kind of all over the place for for Vector and Raster. I guess, kind of. I, I guess, what should we say for people that you know they're not in the they're not in the the 3d world they're not in the you know the 2d art world they're just makers trying to maybe make their own logo make their own stickers or or you know trying to make something that they don't have to bring in an outside source to do i guess break it down i mean stickers logo branding iron some of the some of the basically bigger outside items business cards there we go one for me i need i need business cards what software, not what software, but what file types would you go for for those items? Well, I, I would say, first of all, um, you know, if you're keeping it, if you're doing something really, really, really simple, um, there's no need to run out and buy Illustrator or CorelDRAW. Um, there's a lot of stuff you could just do with Microsoft Word. It's got some vector capabilities to it. And you can save as a PDF and you can, you know, just send it over to whoever your local printer is so you know there there's that option as well okay um that aside i would say you know it's bearing in mind what we said you know just keep keeping it basic uh, um learning some basic terminology uh to help to help make things easier for yourself between you and whoever's doing the printing or the cutting or whatever it is mm-hmm. um you know just to help avoid the headaches for yourself and for the person that it's producing for you. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, knowing what, what the difference is between low resolution and high resolution, um, just knowing what a vector graphic is compared to a raster graphic, it's going to help you a lot, I think. And going along with that, I think the the one thing you can say is if you're doing your logo, if you can make it a vector, make it a vector. Because there's so many things that use a vector file that you're eventually going to hit something that's going to need it. And especially in woodworking, a lot of people get the branding irons done, Mm -hmm. uh, and that requires a vector. Because I remember even you were asking me for a vector file for that. Yes, I need to get I need to get the vector from from whatever we did laser engraving on your laser to go over to a branding iron company so I could get them to to make a brand. And I've had people ask me for vector files from when I made them a sign and they said, "Well, I never got the vector file from the person that did my logo. Can you send it to me cuz this other person's asking for it for making die cut stickers." So, I mean, you're going to have a need, I think, for a vector file, no matter what field you're in, what you do. If you have a brand and you're trying to build a brand and you have a logo, eventually you're going to hit it. So I think using Inkscape is probably the best free one that I know of because it's got a lot of the capabilities of Illustrator um, and it will give you that scalability that bill had talked about before yeah it's kind of funny that you said that because you'll see some people who create these really simple logos just you know maybe some font with like a couple of circles and squares around it and then they say i created this in photoshop yeah why (laughs) microsoft paint (laughs) yeah i mean there's no reason yeah like you said if you can create it in a vector program please do it in a vector program because 
you'll be saving yourself a lot of headache in yeah, the future. And a lot of expense too, if you can do it yourself. Well, unfortunately yeah. I can't print my own business cards. So yeah. Yeah. But Vistaprint. <laughs> it's or... I, like I said, like I said, it's not working <laughs> for me. So I think I'm actually going to go to somebody local to me and Bill here in Taylor's and, and just get them to, to make, make some for me. <laughs> so, so I mean, Bill could probably help you out. I, I think yeah, you want them done in wood? I thought, do about, wood veneer. I thought about that, but I figured by the time I get all of them made and then give them out, it's like, man, I'm giving out like a like couple dollars worth at a time every single time. <laughs> It'd be different if I had just like a ton of veneer, if I had veneer true. of my yeah. own and just be like, here. You need, you need those for your special customers yes, and then you yes, need your common yes, card, yep. I guess, right? Yes. Yeah. So we're, we're cutting close on time, but what is a, kind of a wrap-up what is one piece of advice that you'd give to people that are listening to this about this topic, about the raster and vector and kind of digital design side? Uh, oh, I guess you're talking to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> Who else would you be talking to? Well, um, I mean, going back to what I said, I think um, just educate yourself on the basic terminology if you're going to be working with this stuff. Um and just get the concept down, you know, know what, know, know what a raster is, know what a vector is. Hopefully, if you listen to this, you kind of have a strong idea, at least. Um, but if you're going to get into making your own logo, um, just educate yourself a little bit more. And really, it doesn't take a lot. Um, you know, just learn what you need to learn to get the job done. And don't be fearful of the software um, because... Really, it doesn't take a lot just to make a circle and a square in Illustrator and attach them. It's they're very basic tools. So basic education uh, to be able to better communicate with whoever you're working with, and just be brave and uh, learn the tools. Take that first step. There you go. You got That's that's. I mean, that was all this week's episode was about was uh, was fear getting started. You got to take that first step. Exactly. So, Bill, we want to thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know you're a busy guy, and it's getting kind of late over there on the East Coast. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you having me over. It was fun. No problem, Bill. I, I really appreciate having you on, and I know Trevor does too. And may, I need to, need to get over to your shop. I'm, I'm too I'm too close not to not to get over there more often. Oh, you're welcome anytime. Come on by. And uh, if you guys ever want to do an episode on shopping for a laser, I know Trevor and I have both had very fun experiences. <laughs> um, so we should probably do that. All right. You know, right. we probably should because we definitely took different paths to get there. Yeah. And we both ended up on the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'd have some funny stories. So, yeah, it'd be good. And I, th I think we're also going to have Bill on for a the process of creating a logo so kind of taking these these stepping stones of raster and vector images and then kind of talking about the process of making it into a logo like coming up with a logo and how you might do that so kind of like the i guess that kind of gets back to the theory but finding things that represent you know you and your brand and that type of stuff so we'll definitely have you on that for that one as well Man, I'm All there. Right. Cool. Sounds Thanks great. again. Sounds good. We appreciate it. Take care, guys. Thanks. Thank you for listening to our show. Be sure to check out MakerVisionPodcast.com. We'll post valuable resources, tips, and info about anything we've talked, into, uh, talked about in today's shows or past shows. 
And all these things are to help your maker vision become a maker reality. If you have any questions or suggestions or any comments about what you heard today or once again in previous episodes, feel free to drop us a line at makervisionpodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at makervisionpodcast, or through mine and Trevor's personal Instagram accounts, and that is Old South Woodcraft or Maker Experiment. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review and a, and just some really nice words to, to let us know how good we're doing. Or if you didn't like it, let us know what you didn't like about it. Either way, we're happy to hear from you. And you can go and do that on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Once again, thank you for joining us on our podcast, and we really look forward to hearing, hearing from you next week. 